Hello, and welcome to episode 106 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. So I want to just acknowledge what is happening in the world right now. I typically record these intros a week in advance of their air date, so I don't usually comment on events happening in the world because I don't know really what's going to be relevant a week later. But given the state of things, especially in the U.S., I feel obligated to take a moment and affirm my commitment to building a thriving multiracial democracy in which all people flourish. I do this work with managers because I believe everyone deserves to feel engaged and valued in their workplace and by their colleagues. But honestly, it's not enough to get organizations to embrace all of a person's humanity. We need our countries to do that too. And as a white woman, I stand in allyship and in support of black lives. If you are a person of color and have ideas for how I can be a better ally, how I can lift up you or other voices, please let me know. And if you are listening and wanting to do more to support our black and brown community members, please consider elevating their voices on social media, joining an online or in-person action like last week's Week of Action coordinated by the Movement for Black Lives, or donating to an organization like Color of Change and the Equal Justice Initiative. This is not the time to be silent even if it means saying something wrong in an attempt to be supportive. We are all on a journey, as Jennifer Brown of episode 89 says. We will all make mistakes as we learn how to be partners in this work. So if I have said something today that didn't land well for my listeners who are people of color or are more attuned to this work than I am, I apologize. My intent is purely to support you and bring about the changes this country and many others need in order to be a place where all people, especially those who have historically been attacked, underserved, ignored, or forgotten, thrive. To learn more about building an inclusive workplace, check out episode 89 and Jennifer's book, How to Be an Inclusive Leader. The links to everything I mentioned is in the show notes. Now, I don't really know how to transition without this being awkward, so I'm just going to keep going and say a warm welcome to Marissa E. to the Modern Manager community. If you are not yet a member, we would love to have you join us in the members-only Slack group. Membership starts at $2 per month. Go to themodernmanager.co slash join to learn more. Now, today's guest is Tanya Dalton. Tanya is a productivity expert, author, speaker, and founder of Inkwell Press Productivity Co., a company centered around productivity tools and training. She released her book, The Joy of Missing Out, with HarperCollins in the fall of 2019, which has been named a top 10 business book of the year by Fortune Magazine. Tanya's message about business management, productivity, and the pursuit of passion have impacted thousands and inspired her to launch her podcast, Productivity Paradox, which is awesome and has surpassed more than a million downloads. Her podcast regularly ranks in the top 50 of all business management podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Tanya and I talk about the difference between being busy and being productive, how to rethink the idea of work-life balance. We walk through the basics of the Live Well method and how to protect your time, even when it feels like your time is owned by your company or your team or your family or others, and much more. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Tanya, it is such a pleasure to have you today. As I said in our pre-call, I was rereading your book, and I am just so obsessed with your ideas and everything that you have in there and thinking about how it applies to my life. And you'll hear as we talk, I'm sure I will give you all my little like insights and excitements and things as I was going. So just thank you for being here. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. I love hearing that. I love when people really connect and resonate with the book and they're like, yes, I can do these things, right? I feel like that's so empowering and exciting for me as the author, but also exciting and empowering for the readers as well. So yay, that makes me happy. Completely. So I want to start before we get into actually the the big concepts in the book and the Live Well Method. I first want to start with this idea of a productive day because it's something that my dad said to me growing up all the time, every day he'd leave for work and he'd shout back, have a productive day. And this idea of what a productive day is, I think can be different for different people, or maybe it's an elusive concept that we don't all agree on. So how do you define a productive day? Yeah. So I think a lot of people feel like if you're busy, if you're cramming your day full, if you're checking a million things off your list, that's productive. And I like to say that's really being busy. (laughs) Being productive isn't about doing more. It's doing what is most important. It's really aligning your goals and the tasks you want to accomplish in the day so that you really focus in on the deep, important work. That's what really drives that needle forward. That's what allows you to grow professionally, personally, and to really get to that end point that we're all dreaming of, of this ideal day. So yeah, it's not, it's not about, you know, trying to do 50 things in your day. It might be doing just three things or five things, but things that are really bigger and that they're important. They're tied to your goals. They're, they're connected to your mission, your vision, your core values. They are things that are really advantageous and they're things that are an investment in you. So that's really, I like to say that I'm redefining productivity because I think people do get caught up in this idea that to be productive, we need to be doing something. We need to be constantly moving all day long. But how many times have you, you know, for the listeners, how many times have you run around busy, checked a thousand things off your list and then slipped into bed at night? And when your head is the pillow, you think, oh, didn't get enough done. Why didn't I get more done? Even though you were busy all day long, you were busy, not productive, right? Exactly. And I feel like I have those days where I get so excited about checking things off my to-do list Mm -hmm. because they're like lots and lots of little things that I've just like, I need to get done. And they're all these little things. And so at the end of the day, I'm exhausted and I feel like so happy that I checked my whole list off, but then I don't feel like I actually did anything. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So this is the thing is we get really caught up in the quantity rather than the quality of the work. Okay. I checked off 35 different things. Did you really work towards your goals? Did you really work on the things that are going to help you grow? Are you working on the things that are really important? And so it's this idea of, you know, if you're standing in a spot and you take 50 steps in 50 different directions, where are you going to end up? You know, maybe in the same spot, maybe further behind, (laughs) to be honest. But if you instead choose to take five steps, only five steps, but they're in that same forward direction, you're going to be closer to where it is you want to go. So it's the five steps versus the 50 steps. I love that. All right, second kind of big picture question, which is about work-life balance, because this comes up a ton when I'm working with managers about the like crazy long work days and how do I like get my life in balance? And you approach this also with a slightly different approach than what I've seen before. I do. I do. I say balance is absolutely bogus. We have to stop chasing this myth of work-life balance because first of all, it doesn't exist, but Second of all, we don't really want that. We don't really want balance because if we really want to grow in any area of our life, personally, professionally, in our work life, in our home life, we need to lean in, right? We need to give more time, more energy, and more focus to those things. Well, that has to come from somewhere else, right? 
And here's the truth. If life was all perfectly balanced, if we are, you know, spending equal amounts in every area of our life, we're not really able to lean into it, right? It's, it's like riding a bike. You know, being perfectly balanced is great on a bike if you want to go in that same direction, that same path you've always been on. But if you want to choose to turn left, you got to lean to the left. You have to go out of balance. You need to lean so you can, can make that turn the way you want to go. Now, you can't stay lean forever. You'll fall. You'll skin your knee, right? You have to counterbalance and write yourself back up. And then when you want to turn right, you lean over to the right, and then you have to counterbalance. And that's really what we're looking for. We're looking for more of that harmony of the leaning into an area, maybe leaning into work for a season, and then counterbalancing, and then maybe leaning into home life for a while, and then counterbalancing, and then leaning into something else, and then counterbalancing. Because when we lean, when we give more time, when we give more focus and more energy, that's really when we're able to see amazing, incredible things happen because we're giving it more of ourselves. That's when we can see that growth. And I think that's really why we want to do away with this idea of balance. We're continually chasing after balance. When in truth, if we choose to lean and then counterbalance and look at that harmony, we're gonna be so much more effective. We're also gonna be so much happier right? Because here's the truth. When we're leaning into something and we feel like, oh gosh, I haven't spent time at home. I haven't counterbalanced. We go, oh gosh, I'm, I'm the worst. I'm the worst mom. I'm the worst husband. I'm the worst whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And it's steeped in these stories that we tell ourselves about what a good person does. Like a, a good mom is there to help our kids with their homework every single day. Well, that's not really achievable if you are a person who travels for work or a good person is home for dinner every night. Let's give ourselves a little bit of grace. Let's give ourselves a little bit of breathing room. And instead of looking at each 24-hour segment of our life as a chance for balance, let's zoom out a little bit. Let's look at the 168 hours of our week because there's a lot more opportunities for that counterbalancing and that leaning. Maybe you're not home for dinner every single night, but if you want to be, you know, you want to spend time with your family, maybe it's really like, I would like to spend at least two days a week with my family. Or maybe it's not about dinner at all. Maybe it's really about, I just want to spend time with them, intentional time, and that can happen outside of the dinner hour. So it really is about opening up our our opportunities and our chances to hit these priorities that are really, truly important to us. I love that. And it makes me think about my husband who has the opposite, which is, I want to make sure that I'm spending enough time with my friends. And so I, I can't be home every night for dinner with my kids because that means I only get one night a week to be out with my friends, like a Saturday night, and I need more than that. So there's so many different ways that we have to find those different kind of leans and and counterbalances. Absolutely. And I think what you said there is exactly right, because here's the thing is when it comes to productivity, people want this like magic solution, this like magic button that you push and all of a sudden it's like, oh, everything is fabulous. But truly that's possible If you customize it to you, what are your priorities? I think so often that's why productivity has failed us in the past is we think there's a system, right? And we put the system in the middle and then we wrap our life around it and we twist and turn ourselves in ways that don't really work for us when instead it should be you and your priorities that sit front and center. And then let's customize and create a system that's designed to work to you, to play to your strengths, to play to your weaknesses as well, acknowledging those and really making those work for you, playing to the fact that you have different priorities than other people do. And that's a good thing. 
let's create a system that is really designed for you. And that's really what we walk through in the book, The Joy of Missing Out, and also what we walk through in that Live Well method that I teach, because it is about making a system that is custom designed, tailored to you and your life. So that's the perfect transition to actually talk now about how do you do that? So can you walk us through the method and the approach that you use? Yes. Yeah, I think that's the thing is people are like, yeah, it sounds good, but how do you actually do that? And I think that's the thing is we hear these kinds of messages all the time and we think that, you know, that, oh, that's easy for you because you are an entrepreneur or that's easy for you because of X, Y, and Z. And really it is achievable. I like to say it's a series of small, huge movements simple to implement, easy to manage, yet monumental in the impact it can make in your daily life. So it really is a lot of times about making some mindset shifts, kind of like what we talked about there with balance, but, you know, kind of shifting how we're looking at things and then making it all work for you. So in the book, we walk through the four steps of the Live Well Method, which the first one is discovery. So it really is about who are you? What are the things that are truly important to you? Not the things that are important to your mother-in-law or to your spouse or to your neighbor or even your boss. What are the things that are truly important to you? And so we dive into this idea of who are you? What are the stories you tell yourself or the limiting beliefs? And then let's create everything after that around that. That is the core of everything else. So that's the first step is really discovery and understanding what I call your North Star, which is your mission, your vision, and your core values. So your mission statement answers the question of not what you do, but why you do what you do. Your vision statement says where you're going, and then your core values say how you're going to get there. So when we have that defined and we understand who we really are, we can truly customize the rest of the system so it plays to you. So that's the first step. And then the second step is really taking the time to clarify, okay, how do I make it so I'm really focused in on my priorities? How do I make it so that my time, my energy, my focus, which are our three most precious resources that we tend to just give away here and there, five minutes here, a little bit of attention there. How do we make it so that we spend those resources of time, focus, and energy in the best way possible? How do we maximize our time so it doesn't feel like we're wearing ourselves out? How do we prioritize in our day to make sure our to-do list isn't working against us? And then the third step is simplify. So, okay, yep, I get it how it works here, but how do we make it so that everything else runs? You know, it's good to focus in on your priorities, but you still got to run inventory. <laughs> you still have to have team meetings. You still have to, you know, fertilize the yard. You still have to make meals. How do we make those things happen automatically using habits and routines and systems so that those things can happen automatically and really be seamless? Because here's the truth, we can bring home the bacon and we can fry it up in a pan, but if the kitchen is burning down around us, it does us no good. And so you'll notice throughout the book and throughout my teachings, I talk about productivity outside of just the workspace because it really is about the whole you because you are more than a worker bee. There is a whole other side of you outside of work where productivity can really boost you and benefit you. It's so much easier to go to work and feel fully on fire for what you do and excited about what you do and give it your full attention if the home life is running smoothly. And this is where a lot of productivity experts just, you know, they focus solely on work. Let's get home life and work life working together so it really feels seamless. So we get into how to do that in the simplify section. And then the fourth section is harmony. It's really about how do we harmonize? How do we let go of balance? How do we figure out what we want to say no to? And it's even more than that. 
what is your yeses? What are the yeses, the opportunities that are really going to fit you? How do we really understand what those opportunities are? And then how do we make it so that life feels easier? How, I mean, here's the thing. I think we undervalue the idea of fun and happiness. And truly, when you have productivity in place, life is more fun. Life is more enjoyable because it's not about managing our time. It's really about savoring the moments, being there for the people that we love, being there doing the tasks and the projects that really light us on fire and get us passionate and ready to go. And it really is about creating this life for yourself that feels manageable and maintainable. So I love this overview. Thank you for the, like the big picture. And I want to drill into a couple of elements of these. And the first one is something you, you kind of hinted on around rest and renewal. And like, how do you build those into your schedule? And how do you make that time? Because if you have to do things like cook dinner, and, you do. <laughs> and so many times, I mean, I guess you could order, but still, right? There's, there's, you have to eat, <laughs> you have to eat, right? Yes. And there's, it often feels like, okay, I got my work life under control. I have my home life under control, but then I don't have me time under control. Yes. Yes. I think that's so true. We're so busy pleasing everybody else that we put ourselves at the bottom of that people pleasing list, don't we? We tend to feel like we should just go, 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 give, give, give. And then when we get, we feel guilty getting. Even though, you know, truly, if we want to exhale, if we want to put forth the energy, we need the inhale. We need to give ourselves that space to really recharge our batteries and to really feel like we're ready to give the fullest selves, fullest selves of ourselves to, to everybody else. Because if you're not taking care of you, you cannot put forth your best work in your work sphere. You can't give your family the fullest version of you because you're worn out and you're exhausted. So, you know, so often we feel like getting, you know, rest is this reward. After I do this, after I do 25 different tasks on my list, then I'll rest. And it's this idea that rest is not a reward for great work. Rest is a requirement for great work to happen. We really need to give ourselves that space to be able to breathe, to be able to think, to be able to be creative, to put forth that best self of ours. And so really it is this idea too of building that into your planning, building that into your day where you have these buffers of you know, space because truly our brain is not designed to work on full throttle all day long. I mean, you don't go to the gym and just work out for eight hours straight. I don't think you do. I mean, that sounds <laughs> awful, doesn't it? I mean, we, we know that when we go to the gym and we work out, you do something high intensity and then maybe you, you do like a rest or you do something lower intensity and then you go back to high intensity, right? There's this ebbing and flowing, but we feel like our brain should just work at full capacity all the time. And that's not how our brain works. Our brain has this ultradian rhythm, which is this, you know, 90 to 120 minute cycle where we have this peak of energy and alertness and focus. And then once it peaks, it goes down. It's like a little wave and it goes down and our energy and our focus tends to wane. And then we need to give our brain about 15, 20 minutes of just rest and renewal. And then you know what happens after that? We pick it right back up and your brain is ready to go at its full capacity once again. And then it peaks and then it goes down. And here's the truth is people a lot of times will ask me, well, how do I make it so I don't have to go, you know, <laughs> I can uh -huh. peak and I can just stay up there the whole time. And I'm like, it's the same thing. Like, like we just said with the workout, you can't run a seven minute mile for eight hours. Maybe you can for a short period, but then you got to 
you know, you got to pace yourself. Maybe you run for a while at a 12 minute mile or a 10 minute mile, and then you can pick it back up. And it's the same thing with our brain. So if we, if we recognize that, if we change the way that we feel about how our brain works and we understand that, I think this is why I'm so big on tossing in these little nuggets about how your brain works, because I feel like it's like, oh, okay. So first of all, I'm normal. Uh (laughs) Second of all, this is how my brain works. I should play to my strengths and my weaknesses, right? Let's make it so that I'm not fighting my brain. Let's make it so that I'm, I'm running it the way that it's really meant to be used. And so when we understand that plugging in these periods of break time, and listen, a break time doesn't mean you have to take a nap. We have this idea, it's very black or white, that we're full intensity or we're fully off. You know, it can be during that rest and renewal period, things that are a little bit easier. Sitting in a meeting, you know, listening to somebody else leading a meeting or doing something else that's creative. That can be, you know, an outlet for that rest time. So this is sometimes really hard to do when you feel like your calendar is owned by Mm -hmm. your company, right? And yes. you're like showing up at work and you have all these things you have to get done and your your calendar is full and you have team members who are knocking on your door asking for help. So do you have any tips or techniques or approaches to use to help people find a way to kind of take control over yeah. their schedule again? Protect their calendar to protect your time. I think if you start to really realize that you have these peaks during your day where your brain really is working, you know, at full throttle and really well, we want to protect those times. We don't want to be sitting in on a meeting during our peak creativity time during the week, right? So here's what I tell people. A wide open calendar is an invitation for other people to cram it full with their priorities. So if you have a shared calendar at your office that other people access, block off times in your day as meetings, meetings with yourself to work on the deeper work. The truth is a lot of times we get invited into these meetings because the people who are running it are like, well, I don't know, maybe I should invite them. They'll come if they have time. And we take those meetings as, oh, I absolutely have to go. I'm obviously, you know, needed here. So first of all, with the meetings, blocking off some time in your calendar, that's really for you. And I would put it as a meeting. If you just say it's personal time, people don't think twice about overstepping that boundary. Write it down as a meeting because it's a meeting with yourself. And really stick to it and hold that true, just like you would a doctor's appointment. You wouldn't cancel a doctor's appointment, you wouldn't show up late, you would go because it's important. So really carving out that space for you. But I think too, when you get invited to meetings, keeping in mind that just because you've been asked to go doesn't mean you need to. So it's okay to ask for an agenda. What's the agenda for the meeting? Because here's the truth, a lot of the meetings that people attend don't have any agenda, which is why they wander on so long and they carry on. And then you leave a meeting sometimes and you're like, why was I there? Or I, I only really needed to be there for 10 minutes. If you ask for an agenda and you find out, okay, really? I'm on the marketing team and marketing is only going to be, you know, talking for, for 10 minutes and that's the part I need to be in. You can say, great, I can attend the meeting for these 10 minutes and really start taking ownership over your time. A lot of times we act like everybody else has control over our calendar. We just need to take a little bit of that back. One of my other favorite tips, because you touched on this idea of the just a minute meetings where someone pops in and they're like, I just need your ear for a second. 30 minutes later, they're still sitting on the edge of your desk, right? Yeah. Carrying on. And you were like, this was a time I was supposed to get some work done. I really think it's important that we have our boundaries, right? We get frustrated when people overstep our boundaries. 
But here's the truth. If we are not communicating those boundaries, if we're not telling people that they're overstepping, it's not their fault. It's ours. We have to communicate our boundaries. And so I know for a lot of people that can be really uncomfortable. So you take the conversation out of it. One of the things that I recommend people do is to put up a sign. I do this at my office. I have everyone on my team who does this as well. We put up a sign that says, I'm in the middle of a deep work zone. If you need to meet with me, you can. And mine says, send me a text because my team will text me. And that way I know to go find them afterwards. You might want to say, you can send me an email. I put this in my doorway. So before they even have a chance to walk in, they can see it. Now, if you're in a cubicle, you could put it right on the edge of your cubicle. So it's right there. That allows people to see, okay, she's having some deep work zone. I'm going to walk away. People don't realize that maybe you're in the midst of doing your big presentation or doing a, working on a big project. If you just say, okay, sure, yeah, I can meet with you, and you're pulling yourself out of that deep work zone. You know, the average office worker is interrupted every 11 minutes. And for wow. our brain to work at its best, it takes 23 minutes to get to that deep work zone. So if we're being interrupted every 11 minutes, we're not getting to our deep work zone. We're not getting to that point where everything flows smoothly and easily because someone's coming over saying, I need to meet with you or I need to talk with you or let me just ha chat with you for a second, right? So let's communicate those boundaries through our shared calendar, through things like putting up a sign, through your signature in your email. You know, I don't respond to emails during these times or these are the times that I check my email. Really communicating that. And we talk about that a lot in the book, this idea of, we have to tell people about our borders. Otherwise, they overcome them, right? And so really clearly communicating those. Maybe if you have contracts, if you're a contract worker, putting that in your contracts, your hours of availability versus your hours of business. And really making that clear, I think, makes a huge difference. So I want to pick up on this sign concept that you just mentioned, because I do that when I'm recording podcasts and I need to have quiet and I don't want any interruption. And I have gotten some complaints because I always forget to take my sign down afterwards. <laughs> and so it'll be like four hours later, mm -hmm. I like somebody will finally come and like knock on my door lightly. And I'll be like, oh, oops, sorry, oops. I took my sign down. <laughs> so, you know, and you talk about in the book also this idea of creating routines. Do you have any suggestions for like how to remember when you are putting up like your Slack away message or other things so that when your deep work focus time is over, Mm -hmm. You're alerting people that it's now okay because it's, I think it's really easy to set something and then you just get in and get going and you kind of move on right. to the next thing without thinking. Yes, um, And then absolutely. second, are there other kind of cool routines or other suggestions that you have that are just good go-tos for almost any manager? Yes. So first of all, for the sign, one easy solution is you could laminate it. A lot of offices have laminators. If you don't have access to a laminator, I'll give you a trick that I have where you just get clear contact paper and you put it on both sides of the paper and you just cut it out using that clear contact paper that you get at, you know, Target or the hardware store. And you could write there at the bottom, you know, my deep work zone will end at and put a time in. And that way, because it's laminated, you could use that same sheet over and over again and just kind of clean it off and re-put it on with a dry erase marker. If it's your out of office, you could set up your out of office automatically. A lot of the email programs now have it so you can choose when it turns on and turns off, not just with the pause function, but also with the vacation autoresponder that says that you're in your deep work zone and you can set the time for that to finish. The other thing you can do is if you are giving yourself a deep work zone and let's say it ends at 2.30, 
you can set a reminder on your phone, deep work zone's over, and set a little routine for what you do after that deep work zone is over. So that kind of parlays into that second question you have, where it's this idea of how do we make it so that life runs easier? Well, one of the things that we really can use to our advantage is habits, right? 40 to 45% of our daily actions every single day are habits. Duke University discovered that. So here's the truth. If we already have habits in our lives, let's make them habits that really work to our advantage. So, you know, maybe at, you know, at your beginning of your workday, that involves sitting down, planning out your day, blocking off your schedule, setting your reminder on your phone to tell you, hey, it's time for, you know, this is what time you need to put up your, your deep work zone. Here's a time for it to end. We can, we can use our phones to our advantage. You know, a lot of times people talk about how technology is such a distraction. And it is. It's probably the biggest shiny object syndrome in our lives. But we can use it to our advantage. We all have an assistant. Maybe her name is Siri. Maybe it's Alexa. Maybe it's Hey Google. But we can all use that to our advantage to just say, hey, send me a reminder in, you know, 35 minutes to take down my deep work sign. And your phone will do it for you automatically. Let's take the thinking out of it. Let's stop making it where it's like one more thing for us to have to stress about or one more thing for us to, have to think about. Let's make it so these things happen automatically and seamlessly. So you could have a routine that you create for after you get out of your deep work zone where you take down your sign, you do a quick check-in with your email, and you limit it to maybe five or 10 minutes. Or maybe that's a time for you to write down like what things you want to accomplish during your next work zone. So that, that way you're leaving a little, little water in your well to get you started for the next one, giving you a little springboard and momentum. So really creating these routines for ourselves can make a huge difference. Like, you know, for me, one routine that I have involves lunchtime. So I eat my lunch. I have some social time built into my lunch. I try not to eat at my desk because that's a great time for networking. It's a great time for me to connect with my team and show them that I care about who they are outside of work, because we'll talk about personal things or what's going on on the weekend and things like that. And then after lunch, I go, and that's a professional development block for me. I generally, because I know that I'm a little bit tired and I'm not going to want to do anything super creative, that's my time to sit down, read a chapter of a business book that I'm reading, maybe sit down and watch some YouTube videos or TED Talks that are related to what I talk about, and really get myself a little bit of professional growth. So you can see, I don't think about it. That's an absolute habit in that I just do it automatically. So really establishing these things at the beginning of our workday, maybe after lunch, an end of the workday routine, all of those things allow you to build in the things that are important to you without you having to think about them, without you having to stress about them. And I think that is really helpful, not only for you, but also for your team, because your team starts to understand what your habits are. And like my team understands that I do professional development after lunch, they don't plan a meeting after lunch because they know that's my habit, right? They respect it because they understand that it happens. And so I think a lot of it really comes down to the idea of communication, especially when it's our teams. We have to communicate all of these things. We have to communicate what it is we want to accomplish. We have to communicate the vision of where we want to go as a group and as a team. We have to communicate our boundaries. All of these things all these ways of communicating bring us closer together as a team and allow them to feel more a part of the process because that's really when we see teams excel. That's really when we begin to see the members of our group contributing is when we push aside all these walls and we let them in. We let them see 
the things we're working on. We let them see what our routines are. We let them see the things that are important to us, to our priorities. And that's when we all start moving together as a group in that one forward direction. And that's truly what we're looking for when we're managing people, isn't it? It is. And I want to pause us here because we're running out of time. And there has just been so many nuggets that you have shared with us today. And I'm so grateful. So for everybody who is like dying for more like I am, where can we learn more about you and your book, The Joy of Missing Out and Live Well and all that good stuff? Yeah. So the best place to find me is tanyadalton.com. So Tanya with an O and a Y, tanyadalton.com. You can find links to my podcast, Productivity Paradox. You can also find links to my book, The Joy of Missing Out. You can find The Joy of Missing Out really anywhere books are sold, Barnes and Noble, Target, Amazon, anywhere really, honestly, that books are sold. And then you'll find links too to my social media and everything else. So really that's a great hub to find all kinds of information. I have videos and trainings and I have courses that I offer as well. All of that is at tanyadalton.com. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and insights with us today. I really enjoyed listening to just so much of what you said. Thank you. I really appreciated you having me on the show. I love getting to talk to people who are managing teens because I feel like when we're in those positions, we really have that ability to really help other people improve their lives. So thank you so much for having me on. I highly suggest you check out Tanya's book, The Joy of Missing Out. And if you're a member of the Modern Manager community, you get 20% off anything on the Inkwell Press store. And that discount is good until September 1st, 2020. The store includes all kinds of planners and journals and really useful stuff to keep you productive. Go to themodernmanager.co join to become a member and get this discount along with dozens of other guest bonuses and episode guides. And don't forget, if you work for a nonprofit or government agency, you can email me to get 20% off of any membership level. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter at themodernmanager.co. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com that's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S.com slash podcast to get show notes, and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.